The sound is crisp and clear. Hey everyone, we're talking about the crisp and clear sound of today's episode. Don't be an idiom. It's don't be an idiom. The crispest and the clearest podcast on the apps. Well, we on just all have, the digital apps. We have the most professional studio. That's why it sounds so crisp mm-hmm. and clear. Yeah, this I, I would say this studio is in shambles. That's a throwback. It's a throwback. This is a nice-looking studio. Mm-hmm. It's very aesthetically pleasing, but okay, it doesn't it doesn't Listen, have the professional. Once we get the Patreon up and running, stuff. we're gonna get, we're gonna be have a lot of um, patrons, and we'll have enough money to buy our own studio that's a little bit more traditional. And we're gonna get all new outfits and and nice haircuts and really spruce up our look. <laughs> we're gonna look really nice for you. I'm gonna get a wig. <laughs> And I'm going to get a pompadour. And we're going to really, you'll be able to hear how much better it is on our end. It's going to improve us from the outside in. So if you're tuning in, welcome to Don't Be an Idiom. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Have we got a journey for you today? This is the podcast. It explores the origin stories of common English phrases and idioms, and you could be joining from anywhere in the world because it's the 21st century albert this is true what are you stupid you don't know that even if you're from another planet even whoa and you know you might not be able to understand what we're saying but you get the feel right which is why we you know dress up every time we what if aliens just were like all right we're just gonna just scan any random podcast Uh just to see if these people feel friendly enough if not we're gonna kill them and stuff and then they come on on us and we're like i think they'd be like they're I think we sound friendly. I think so too. Unless they catch us at like a second where we're starting, we're talking about the Catholic Church. They have such little patience that they only <laughs> like listen to one second one of the show. As it could be, it could be. You never know. Mm-hmm. So they get us at the right time. Earth is saved. Wrong time, bam, dead. So I guess you can blame us. All right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So you know, we're Albert and Ryan. Yes, we are. Of course. Friends forever, broadcasting from Philadelphia, and the best country on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Happy, uh, happy July Fourth, everyone. Hey, all right. Hey, does this come out on July Fourth? No, no, that's a bit away. (laughs) Wrong. Um, So, listen, we got a couple top of the show items today. Um, First of all, we heard from Percy Bright of Jersey Ice Cream Company fame. They're going to be on the TV soon. Wow. The old television. That's right. Yeah, I feel like... So that means TV stars are emailing us. That's what that means. That is cool. And it's before it even aired, which is like, this is like their rookie card. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's going to want to jump on the bandwagon after, right? Right. So we're in. We're in. And uh, And they're going to be like... Do we get any... that's my boys. My boys. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> Is that Percy's voice? Yeah, it's like, my, my boys. That's my boys. Don't be an idiot. He's pointing right at the TV for all of America to see. Right. I could see it. And then, bam, we're famous. <laughs> and we're just like on our knees groveling towards him. He's, Please. He's like on a diamond platform. I see him in a, a shoulder to ankle leather coat with fur 
Oh, totally. On the collar. Totally. That would be so cool. And he's just like, he's not, his eyes aren't even open when he's looking down at us. <laughs> throw him a bone. Dude, just throw him a bone. This, this isn't even my best coat. He has two of his bodyguards sprinkle, <laughs> um, you know, like peppermint. Peppermints. <laughs> like I was thinking of those white and red. What are those? Yeah, uh, the peppermints. Peppermint, yeah. Right. But that's like, what we need in this situation. Well, well no, but he, like, he's trying to, you know. Sweeten our day. Yeah, that's freshen it. Us like, up. <laughs> this is, you know, we'd hope that he would bring bring us with him on his journey of stardom. But instead, he's like, they're my boys. Right there. Throw them <laughs> some peppermints. And he has all of his bodyguards carry peppermints in case we're ever around. He's like, throw my boys some peppermints. He's like, look, these boys clean up nice. Look at this. It's the pe- peppermints. <laughs> Peppermint Percy. I mean, they look bad next to me, but that's everyone. (laughs) So he sent me a Victorian, a Victorian phrase. This was some Victorian slang, and he uh, knew that we'd appreciate it. And it's got the morbs. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah, which just means your temporary melancholy. Oh, like morbid. Exactly. I got the morbs. Morbs is coined from morbid. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, don't be sorry. Just because you guessed you're, that. I know. Well, we're you're a smart guy. Well, did you look it up? No, it was it was well, it was a screenshot of something that he saw. So I just read it. Well, and that's I all. I didn't see it. I, it's because I'm gonna. I'm reading it to you. Oh shit! <laughs> anyway, thank you, Percy, for that little bit of 1880 trivia. Yeah, except the year that it came out. 1880. Yeah, and don't forget the little people. You know. Mm. Uh, us, we were the first little people. Remember that? He re- he'll remember. I know he will. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you about. So I, I've been thinking about um, our our idioms last week were dunce mm-hmm. and what was mine? Whippersnapper. Oh, yes. Okay. And someone said whippersnapper like this week near me, and I was right. like, Yeah, right. And I was wondering, you know, about dun- dunce. Uh oh. Well, I'm just Are thinking... Are you fact-checking me? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. I've never done that ever. Don't, anyone. <laughs> I just wanted to bring to the, you know, the conversation, mm-hmm. bringing etymology, like bringing words... Etymology. Word etymology. Yeah. Like, we are allowed to do that, right? Absolutely. I I think I've done whole episodes where my word is just the etymology of the word, not even right. Well, yeah. fancy story. So I've just been thinking about, you know... Because it's not a phrase. Dunce isn't a phrase. No. But don't be an idiom is about idiomatic phrases. Uh, yeah, but we sometimes, I do lots of one-worders, remember? I, I know, but I want I want people, because I feel like people out there might be thinking it, and I just want people to know. We know that sometimes they're oh. not phrases. Oh, yeah, guys, come on. Sometimes they're just words that were coined in an interesting way. Absolutely. And plus, like, when you look at the list of idioms, some of, a lot of them are one-worders. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not, they're not all phrases. Yeah, like a diehard. That's one word. Diehard. Well, it's like two, I guess. <laughs> and I think it used to be But if one. you're a diehard fan. Right. It's one See, word. See, there you go. Boom. We're out of jail. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that to the conversation. <laughs> I feel like he's telling me I'm not allowed to do one-worders anymore. <laughs> No, I don't blink think that. If you, blink if that's true. It's only half true. He blinks! <laughs> I just, I'm just making sure that phrases oh and words. All right. Call in if you, want, if you want to join the Albert Army and tell Ryan it's okay to be one word. 
I'm just curious. I just don't know. I don't know the rules. Me neither. I don't know them either. The other thing, nosy cats. We were over at Albert's the other day. What's going on with nosy cats? His two cats are quite nosy. You put a bag down, they immediately got in there. And then you're like, oh, they're always putting their noses in things. Right. Well, maybe that's where the word nosy comes from. Right. Actually using your nose, getting your nose all up in there. Yeah, right. And what'd you find? (laughs) Nothing. I was just (laughs) relaying a small anecdote from the other day. Oh, I love anecdotes with great endings, you know, like punchlines and things that tie together. Well, you can do some of the talking, too. No, I know. I, l- I like playing off you. That's our thing. Ugh. Well, it's a lot of pressure. Wait, I know it is. Hold on. I have something. Didn't we say we were going to talk about something else on the show? Just the Linda Lindas. Hey, there we go. Well. Congratulations, Linda Lindas. This, Remember this, the little people. This young all-girl punk band called the Linda Lindas is blowing up right now. They're on, like, all the late shows um, they're touring Europe. They're opening up for huge bands. It's really cool. I mean, they're in middle school, but wow. I thought it was. I thought it was. That's been nice to see because we talked to them before they blew up. Because right. um, they uh, allowed us to use their song "No Clue" on one of our podcast episodes. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I feel like we're gonna get a cease and desist soon on that. <laughs> no. Like some big label's gonna be like. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like retroactively be like, you gotta take that out. Nah, nah, nah. Listen, these they are too clean for the likes of you. What the Linda Lindas need to be a perfect sphere. Yeah, sure. And it resists dust and oil. No, but you know this is this is a a, a punk rock podcast in totally um, in soul. Absolutely. And Linda Lindas, they're they're a punk band. Right, and if they were really punk, they'd let us keep the song. (laughs) And they will. (laughs) And that's that. We're suing you. (laughs) Right. Because, look, we were predicting it before you said anything, and we beat you to it, so. This was supposed to be a nice comment, but now it's getting a little aggressive. <laughs> no, we're not mad at them. We're mad at their lawyers. <laughs> oh, right. And we're just, def- we're just defending ourselves against the lawyers. So anyway. We're not going to be yeah. aggressive towards them. Anyway, congratulations to them. It's also cool. You know, if you want to check out their song, No Clue. And uh, that was on our, our podcast at one point. Oh, and how about this? It's mm. Big Roger's birthday. Big Roger. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Happy birthday, Roger. He is a, a chef, a vegan chef. At, is that okay if I say the place? I don't think he likes us being associated <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I won't tell Let you where tell you he something. works. But he, he has a good restaurant <laughs> somewhere within the state of Pennsylvania. And we don't think that he likes when we say his name or talk about him at all. So we're just going to not mention the restaurant, but it's good. Oh, it's very good. And uh, it's okay. Also okay, because there's no way he listens to this. But, you know, we've been hanging out more lately. So what if he's like, I'm going to give those guys a listen. I'm going to give those guys another chance. (laughs) Yeah. Here's some peppermints, boys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That Uh, is nice. Full circle. Okay. Okay. Uh, So maybe that's it. Um, You got something else? No. That's oh, it. your show was great. We, oh, thank you. Two two shows ago, we were saying you gotta go to the Bailey Hound show in the in the graveyard. And now that it's happened, I can say it was like stepping into a, a time portal. No joke. It was like, boom! It's ten years ago, and and everyone was in a good mood. Wow, that's great to hear. It was it was like, and you know, people from all different areas come in, mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> whoa, dude. <laughs> Dude, your face. (laughs) 
Um, no, it was a lovely th- evening. The weather was nice. It was supposed to rain like all week, and then it didn't miraculously. That was awesome. And it was cool that everyone came out, and there's some bats out. Love a good bat. Did you go back to the lost and found yet? I'm going to go on Friday. <laughs> I have to go on Friday. Chris left his jacket Chris there. I have to go back it. and get it. Oh, man. And it is a cool jacket. Better hope nobody takes it. I'm going to get it. Don't worry. Everyone okay. calm down. Okay, okay, okay. Everyone can take it easy. All right, well, so now we're going to play a game. Play a game, yeah. What, why do we play a game? So right? we play a game because we both have an idiom. We don't know what it is. And who who should say who goes first every time? So we like to add the luck of the draw. And that's what we're doing. And I'm the game master here with you. And I brought a sort of made-up game because we've done so many mm-hmm. over the uh, the times. And so what I just did is I brought the uh, egg in your beer glass that Ryan gave me yeah. for a uh, uh, birthday present. And I brought some ping pong balls, and I thought we would just try to bounce it. Oh, cool! Into there, like that's a good whoever, idea. Whoever whoever gets one in first, good, right? I love it. Yeah, it's a great idea. Because guys, we've played over sixty-two games. <laughs> Actually, one night I was out with Mira, and she was like, "You could do this and this and this and this." She had like 10, 15 games that you could yeah. just do with like pencil and paper. I was right. Like, Right. Like, did we ever do tic-tac-toe? I, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> she said that, and I was like, I don't know if we've done it. No, yeah, we definitely have. All right. Well, stuff like I, that. I see, I see what you mean, though. It's a lot of games. Endless games, as we've learned. And just remember, the Game Master reserves the right to reuse games at any point. Oh, I never agreed to that. <laughs> oh, come on. It was right, your get idea. the ping pong ball. Let's All get right, this over with. Slam dunked it in my face. <laughs> but it took a long time, to be honest. But this wasn't a shot. It was no impressive feat. It took friggin' forever. Yeah, but you did it, man. You know, it's so amazing how we've studied so many idioms and learned so much history. And, you know, the whole point of this podcast was to dispel our own ignorance about, about language and history. But, you know... We have the worst memories and yes. can't remember any of the idiom histories that we've done in the past. None. And there's the rub. Uh, you do all this learning yeah. mm-hmm. and then you just forget it because you got a, a, a no good brain. Definitely. And there's the rub is the idiom. There's the rub is the idiom. I love there's the rub. Um, well, let me tell you this. Albert and I both said it on Saturday. We were really, yeah, um, or Sunday when we played uh, bocce ball. That's funny. Yeah, so we were we like um, I don't remember what we were doing, but we we're like, oh, there's there's the rub. That's the rub. And uh, I think it was when we were walking away through the park or something. And then I immediately was like, I'm gonna do that. That's great. And it and I was like, uh, and I had it on the list for a while. And then we one of us said it first, and the other person said it later. And then I was like, I'm definitely doing that. It's great. Well, there's the rub. You know, that always reminds me of uh, In Life's Too Short with Warwick Davis. Yeah. Um, when he's like, oh, maybe I should just uh, 
give all this acting up and then his very funny secretary um yeah yeah, yeah. she's like well what would you do otherwise and he's like yep there's the rub right (laughs) perfect it is so funny and defeating (laughs) that's great uh it's a really good use of it and he might be wearing the ewok costume oh my god (laughs) there's the rub so yeah uh, what does it mean What, what how would you define it there's the rub like to me, it sounds like, oh, that's the catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem or the difficulty yeah. with the situation being discussed. Right. It's said to mean that there is a problem or contradiction which is, which is difficult or impossible to deal with. Right. So there's the rub. Right. That's the contradiction part, yes. So, yeah, I love this one. Um, I was determined to do it no matter what the history was. Wow, that's... That's... Uh, Tenacious of you. I taste. <laughs> did that Tiz get a whistle? It's a tooth whistle. That was cool. I didn't know you did that. All right, Albert's guess. Where does this come from? There's the rub. I forgot about this part. I always forget about this part. Oh, this part's so hard for me. Yeah, okay. So there's this medieval times, a famous butcher, mm-hmm. you know, down down in town and yeah. You know, the the king has gotten to know how good he is, you know? And he, he does a barbecue. <laughs> king who does barbecue? No, no, the, 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 the chef, the cook that we're talking yeah, about here, yeah. he's, a, his, he's a barbecue chef yeah, okay. down in town. And you know, like they just had hogs there, like just like the biggest hogs. And like the king king's hog was so king's big. King's hog. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Dude, we should get shirts. <laughs> king's hog shirts. That should be our bocce ball team name. King's Hogs. King's Hogs. That's a great bocce ball team name. It actually sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, Okay. So so he got invited to host the Royal Barbecue Mm -hmm. for the king, you know? Sure. And he had to bring his little apprentice, Schmedrick. Schmedrick. And he's like, you know, a skinny little daydreamer kind of but also like really like i guess it's his kid it's his and he's like oh, dad i don't want to i don't want to work the yeah. barbecue i want to write poetry yeah. you know like sing the songs uh, yeah so but his dad keeps like forcing them into it he's like look at the blood yeah <laughs> and so they go up to the castle and everyone knows that oh i didn't name the cook yet his name is Ronaldo, mm-hmm. and he is like this is my make or break moment here cooking yeah. for the king and then but you got to remember that Smedrick he is like resentful of his dad and all that kind of stuff right so um Schmedrick's, one of his duties is to be the um like the spice carrier mm-hmm. he's got like that all the spices and he's like a walking like, spice rack yeah right yeah. um it's kind of his main thing actually uh-huh. <laughs> and so they get up there and the 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 uh roberto has set up the the spit and he's cooking this big old hog and uh-huh. ronaldo ronaldo's the uh the chef oh, okay. the dad yeah yeah and he's he turns he turns to his son and the pig's like ready to be you know ready to be eaten and mm-hmm. he goes uh nope i have to back it up i don't want the cooks out there to get to think <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about here's what he says before he cooks it He's got the pig all cut up and all good, and, uh-huh. right? He's gonna, he's about to cook it. Yeah. And he goes, Schmedrick, hand me the spices. 
and magic is like well i can't do that dad because i left the spices at home on purpose uh-huh. and then he goes schmedrick you better not be fucking with me right now where is the rub where is the rub because that's what they call yeah spice you, rub a rub yeah yeah, yeah. so you know that he the um uh roberto knew that without his like these are spices that he's like cultivated over mm. years he's not a rich man he's yeah. trying to break into the yeah you know the ranks so he's totally boned and he knows that without the rub he can't give the the uh the king delicious yeah. barbecue so no matter how good he cooks it he knows it's gonna fall short yeah. and there's the rub He's got, he's, got the the opportunity. he's got the he's opportunity. Got the, yeah. He's got the king's pig. He's got everything except but, what he needs. Right. And it's, it's, it's just too big of a difficulty. And if he would have been nicer to his son, oh. then he wouldn't have forgot the rub. I see. This, this, you're, you're working through some issues. Me? By telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I have to lay down. <laughs> Well, you can't until I'm done talking to you. Well, anyway, I was pretty happy with that, and that's, that was great. that's where it came from, and I really that's, saw it happening. Um, that's wrong, but I am really in the mood for some nice, like a nice pork loin now. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going to start talking about the history of bocce ball. You are not. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. No, you're not. Uh, yeah. So because but, let me just say, uh, uh, <laughs> we all... <laughs> We what? all went and played bocce ball for the first time as a group on Sunday. on Sunday. And during that bocce ball time is when we both said, there's the rub. Yes. Oh, my God. This it's, led you to bocce ball? And so then I was like, I am determined to do there's the rub. I start researching it. Do, do, do. Bocce ball. What the fuck? I got back to like- bocce ball, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way. Whatever. I'm going to end with the why I'm talking about bocce ball. Well, I'm just going to say this. That is like, you were destined to do this one. Oh, yeah. I know. I was, it was, I was like, this is the, the most meant to be idiom I've ever looked up. I feel like I'm about to go on like a Star Wars ride, like in, in like Disney, like with really good effects. Like, and, and they're like, this is the first time I was ever used this machine. It could kill you. You might die. <laughs> So anyway, for anyone who doesn't know, bocce ball is, well, it's an Italian game and it uses nine balls. Um, we, you know, each team, there's two teams, has four of those balls and there's a smaller ball. Do you know what it's called? Oh God, I do, but now I'm not The gonna... Paulino. Oh, the Paulino. But you can also call it Jack. The Jack. That's great. So yeah, you throw that one out and then each team tries to get their ball, the boccia, a little closer to, or as close as possible to the Palino. Right. And Love there's a few different methods. There's the puntata method. This is where you kind of gently roll the ball down, hope it gets near. Like a bowling ball. Yeah. There's also the volo method, where you throw it up in the air yep. and try to like land it. I like that, because then it just comes down. Yeah. shouldn't roll too much. No rolling. And then the rafa method. And that's when you take a few steps before you roll it. Jesus. I know. <laughs> what are these guys whipping it at? <laughs> right. That's, um, yeah, I, that just seems like it would just, 
I guess if you're trying to hit the other guy's balls. And, and a rule I came upon that I thought was useful for us to know is that when, a, when one of the balls, one of the boccia, hit, if it hits the back wall, if you're playing in an oh, official, no. um, what do you call it, uh, bocce ball. Yeah, yeah. The, the court, right? Court, yeah. Whatever, yeah. If it hits the back wall, it's called um, dead. So that doesn't count, that ball? And it's removed from play and not allowed to be rethrown. Oh, man. I knew it. You know what? When we were playing, we, me and Ryan went to We were, the, like, uh, using the backboard. Yeah, because we don't... We usually play on the beach. Uh, so, yeah, the real courts are nice. But I, I was just... I remember thinking, like, this is great that that wall's there. It kind of yeah. helps. <laughs> of course right. those Italian men would pull it away <laughs> from me. <laughs> right. And then while you're throwing it away, they move the ball a little bit closer <laughs> to the, the jack. Hey! <laughs> so in the U.S., we typically play it to 12 points, but there are some games that go to 15 or 21. There you go. And um, I want to give you a little bit of the history. But that's, just, that's just the game. Um, most of you have probably heard of it, but, you know, I'm not a big uh, game guy, but bocce ball I do have a, a soft spot in my heart for. It's a classic. Yeah. I, I, I think it's coming back a little bit, but, you know. So... Um, the first time the bocce ball was documented was 5200 BC. All right. There's that a, is old as shit. There's a, a painting of two boys playing this, yeah. the, like essentially what looks like bocce ball on an Egyptian tomb. Yes, dude. I was hoping you were going to say it was Egyptian. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So then it spread throughout the Middle East and Asia and then got to Greece around 600 BC. So the ancient Greeks were like all about bocce ball. Oh yeah, dude. And when the Greeks got into the bocce ball, they've eventually passed on to the Romans and then it was played everywhere. Like, you know, in front of churches and castles and city streets. And uh, it became- Orphanages. Yeah, <laughs> orphanages. All you need, Cause they would use stones. I was thinking, I was gonna say, cause they're not making perfectly round balls are they well i mean in 600 bc they were but <laughs> perfect I, round spheres huh that's nice perfectly round well not perfect i mean but these are not just be like rocks they, they're shaped they would rocks. Use, yeah probably shaped oh, rocks that is sweet but also if you're in a pinch you just grab a, yeah, couple just rocks, a couple rocks stones yeah so um in a 264 bc during rome's punic wars against carthage there were teams of men that would um, like just basically uh, pass the time by doing this. There was a pattern of this after that in other armies. And actually in England, it was illegal to play bocce ball during war. Oh, because you got too distracted? Yeah, because they, cause like the archers should have been perfecting their you know, bow and arrow hits. And they were instead playing bocce, playing bocce ball. ball. So yeah, that, there's evidence of that in the 1300s. Oh my god, that's great! Like the sergeant's like, I know, I want to play too, <laughs> but you guys really suck, and we're at war. war. <laughs> yeah, you really aren't. Even, you weren't good archers to begin with. Um, you were terrible archers. We're like the Goonies of archers. So no one gets to play bocce ball. We are underdogs at best, dude. And what the ban wasn't even lifted for another five hundred years. By, the war? by Queen Victoria. Yeah, in the Just 1880s. to make sure. <laughs> we really want to make really, sure. This. You got to get this out of your system. You might have a bocce ball problem. And like, as they're signing the law away, they start playing bocce ball. They're like, starting a war just to play bocce <laughs> ball. And bocce Polino! <laughs> bocce Polino! <laughs> um, 
so that this great this spread to Provence, France, and by the Middle Ages, it was in England. Now there, there's evidence of of bocce ball existing in England as far back as the 1300s, but it's assumed that even before that they were they were playing as well. Definitely. And the reason I'm working my way to England is because it's going to have something to do with there's the rub, which is the idiom I'm doing. All right. So this is a traveling idiom here. Oh yeah, it's a traveling idiom. Once bocce ball was established in England, of course, the English were like, well, we're going to make up a name. Ah, oh, <laughs> wait a second. What is it called? So in England, it's called bowls, B-O-W-L-S. Mm, and it's, it, that's kind of, it sorry, makes, it makes sense because, because it traveled through France to England, um, it was called like B-O-U-L-E-S, bowls in France. So it makes sense that the, that the English would have maybe just kind of Followed yeah, that instead that. of going all the way to the bocce I ball. I can see that, but is um, it? It's essentially the same, though, right? It's it's essentially the same. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and there's you know variations of bocce ball in most countries that are like slightly you know maybe a few different rules or different size balls. Man, we should get out on like a bocce, a tour bocce ball tour, and like we'll go to like. <laughs> We'll the King's Hogs. We'll yeah, the King's Hogs will just like tear all around Egypt and Europe and everywhere that the word went, we're going to. And no one gives a shit. <laughs> what we want us to call it, bulls. Uh-uh. Um, so, yeah. So I'm going to put, I'm going to pause with that section of, of my idiom okay, history. great. All right. So then in England, bocce ball is called bulls. It's played there today. It's been there for for almost a thousand years. Now I'm going to jump over to William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Okay. And this is one of his most famous works of all time. It has some of the most famous soliloquies in the English language. But, you know, maybe some of us haven't seen or heard or read (laughs) Hamlet. You're talking about me. (laughs) No, I'm not. He's looking at me. No, and... I actually realized, I'm like, oh, I haven't read Hamlet since college because I've taught different pieces of Shakespeare. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a, like a theatrical performance of it. And I'm going to read along and watch the whole thing. So between yesterday and today, I read all of Hamlet. Oh, my God. So that way I would feel just in my heart a little bit more of a sense of authority. That is great. Talking about the play. <clears throat> that is really great, right? So <laughs> we are we are friends, but we are different in ways. <laughs> just imagine what I was doing while you were doing that. <laughs> anyway, so Hamlet is about the Prince of Denmark, and his father is killed by Hamlet's uncle. Right. And then the uncle marries Hamlet's mother. And he is super upset about this. He's like really depressed the whole time. He wears black the whole time. He's kind of like an emo kid. Yeah. And so Hamlet's all like, he's always like kind of moping around. And um, then he, he starts, you know, going mad with the idea that his, um, that his uncle is married to his mother. And then the ghost of his father visits him. And the ghost what of his up, father Hammy? is like, him, him, him. Yeah, your uncle and mom are. He's like, so that's kind of, that's a that's messed up, I'm dude. I need you to take care of that. Exactly. So you're going to avenge. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, he's like, you're going to avenge me. You got to take care of this. And it's like, I love you, dad. <laughs> I will talk after she's dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kill, kill him. And then, and then maybe we'll talk. 
So oh, he wants the guy. He wants he, the uncle. Yeah, man. yeah. He's he's gonna let the the wife live. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. That's off, dude. Just want some vengeance. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, Hamlet decides to feign insanity, and um, like then everyone's like always really confused by what he's saying, and he's like you know just being like crazy the whole time, and uh, and and he's rich, right? And he's rich. So well, yeah, like, he's a so he could just do that. Like, could you imagine having that kind of freedom? You'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna freak out, man. <laughs> Bring me my dinner. <laughs> Right. And like, yeah, you can do that when you're the prince. Fucking right. So eventually, uh, you know, it's a Shakespeare play. Everyone dies. Um, you know, nice. there's all this extra shit that happens. Everyone pretty much dies in the end. And um, there's a very famous soliloquy to be or not to be from Hamlet. Yeah, there you all go. Heard that. I know that. So, but what I wanted to do, we, we always hear to be or not to be, but I just wanted to read the part of the soliloquy. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna and I'm just gonna like break it down a little bit. To be or not to be, that is the rub. <laughs> that would be no, no one ever thinks about the, the next part of that. And it's the best line. To be or not to be, that is the rub. <laughs> That's great. Okay, uh, let's hear it. All right. He says, To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them. To die, to sleep no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep. To sleep chance to dream aye there's the rub for in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause there's the respect that makes calamity of so long life whoa i can't believe there's the rub is in there there's the rub and you got the mortal coil and you also have got what dreams may come and slings and arrows slings and arrows dude so i I thought it's loaded it's loaded and I just thought it'd be good for us just to hear a little bit more of it than that first line. Because, yeah, because, I mean, I've also not read this in forever. And so yesterday when I was, like, when I got to that point in the play, I was like, shit, yeah, I'm, this is a great spot for there's the rub to be. Wow, that is crazy. You know, it's like I was getting pumped up listening to that. You know? <laughs> and what, he's, think- what he's, he's thinking about here, he's like, is it better to live or to kill yourself? Oh, okay. Because... See, I, I thought it was too... Because, either- like... A life throws all of these terrible misfortunes at us, and the one thing that we can do to control that is to take our own life. But, and here's the rub, we don't know what awaits us after we die. Oh, yeah. So the the fear of the there, like the, um, whatever, the hereafter? Dude. The fear of that is enough to make us stop ourselves from killing ourselves right. and taking control. Because what if it's a waking nightmare? <laughs> Even if you were good in life. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're just like, oh my God, I was like a baby. I died as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a baby. I died as a baby. This, I'm a baby This now. is all I know. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so anyway, I, I hope you enjoyed that. So, with the there's the rub, though, that's 
that is where we get it from. That's like, like the, that's the, the known. That's the first, first known metaphorical use wow. of there's the rub. Now. So was it literal at one point? Here's, I'm going to make the connection. Yeah. A rub is when there's an imperfection in the bocce ball field. And it oh and it bumps it out of the way. God no! So when we like when we were playing in the grass and it hits a little like hole and goes this way, like a divot. That's a rub. Oh my god! So they use that in English bowls though, but bowls comes from bocce ball. Wow! And so there's the rub. There's the the problem that you know makes you kind of go in a different direction that's insane for so many reasons also if we didn't already have the best team name which is king's hog right yeah we could just be there's the rub it's a total bocce ball name you know reference and no one's gonna know it unless you're like a super nerd <laughs> right yeah but it's also cool uh-huh so i just was like wow, wow. that's i love that connection i thought it was really interesting there's the rub and um and this is also strange. So I started watching Station Eleven. It's like this HBO sci-fi show. Oh right, you it's, mentioned it's really good. Yeah, uh, Phil was saying that he like loves it. Phil. And in the episode I watched today, they talk about Hamlet. They're like do, they're performing okay. an, an updated version of Hamlet in the episode today that I watched <clears throat> when I got home from work. Ryan is experiencing some synchronicities in Synchronicity. life, and uh, everything's fine. He doesn't have hope or anything. Nothing's no, gonna change. No, 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 we no, both no. still love you. No hope. No hope. And uh, the other thing, I think, just one other thing. Um, oh, you know when you know when you think about Hamlet to be or not to be, a lot of people yeah. imagine a the skull. skull, right? Yeah, that's like a misnomer. It is. So he does not hold a skull, a skull, while he is um, reciting that monologue. It's in a much later one, where he's walking by a grave digger, and the grave digger is talking about a skull, and it, this is Yorick, the je the king's uh. jester, and Hamlet, because he's the prince, is yeah. like, I knew Yorick, and so he then he holds Yorick's head and uh, kind of reminisces on these memories of the jester that was in his life while he was growing up. Wow. And so, you know, like thematically, obviously, that connects to the to be or not to be speech, but that whole thing. It is, is funny. I would say, yeah, most people have one of those. Uh, they just like combine. What's that thing? Um, the Mandela effect kind of thing, where it's like yeah. you, you, you associate it with that, but it was never that. Right. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. But like, I mean, same character, but it's like two different scenes. Makes sense why you would mix it up. Yeah. But if someone's making a sticker and it says to be or not to be, and he's holding the skull, like, come on. Yeah, find us those stickers. Um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd use one. And George Washington built a bocce court at Mount Vernon in the 1780s. Come That's on. It. And you can still use it? The only reason I said that is because he's on our don't be an idiom. His skull's on our don't be an idiom wooden nickels. But. And we were going to do that George Washington's teeth uh, side project. Right, with right, Tommy. right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll give you a hint. They're not wood. <laughs> Somebody's world. Oh, classic. Shoot. Dave Coulier. I'll right, we'll be right back after this.
Man, I don't know about you guys, but I am in the mood for a stromboli. Holy moly, a stromboli would be really good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just, oh, boy. I just got hit with the hard strombo buzz. Man, we got to get them on speed dial. Stogie Joe's. <laughs> yeah. It's only two blocks away. I think I we know, should like, go there afterwards and eat some. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> what about bowling? Oh no, we'll, we'll go bowling too. We can fit it all Yo, in. Yeah, we should we should swing. We when we get really good at this, we'll call Stogie Joe's. We'll be like, "We need the bowling strombo." And then we 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 swoop by and get it on the way to the bowling alley. Mm. Damn it. All right, well, we'll figure it out in the summer. Like we wear them like shoes. Welcome back to Don't Be an Idiom. Albert, what's your idiom for the night? Well, you know, there are a lot of imitators out there in the idiom podcast world, mm. but we are the real McCoy. The real McCoy. Yep, that would be us. So the real McCoy just means like the real dude, a genuine guy. Um, or the genuine thing, like, you know, it's like the real thing. The real too. thing. Yeah, real, but you could call a person the real McCoy, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that's like the good one. Anything that's a good one, okay. So I'm going to get, uh, get this, is, this is where I guess the origin. Yeah. Like, this is a Chips Ahoy. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a chocolate chip. Yeah, the Chips Ahoy is the real McCoy. Chips Ahoy, and it rhymes, so it's I'm perfect. Just, that's fun. Not that they're my favorite. I like Chips Ahoy, but you were a Chips Ahoy guy, weren't you? You always had the red bag. Uh, yeah, but I don't eat those anymore. Oh. Those like rubber ones. They're, they were they're rubbery. so good. And then didn't they I would, say I would just do like four stacked on top of each other and just right down in one yeah, bite. Man. Wow, not in one bite, not two, two. Or no, three. but I mean like you stack yeah. them and bite yeah, the yeah. stack. Weren't those the ones they were like, microwave me. Try me in the microwave. <laughs> Try me in the microwave. Weren't they? Wasn't that like so. their thing? I think they came out with like a thicker version of that. Uh-huh. And then they asked you to microwave those. My thing is this is like, I know they'd probably be better, but I can't wait the five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should go get some cookies after Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go back to like the era of the zoot suits. Like zoot suit riot. Um. Excellent. By the way, <laughs> yeah. this is a real time announcement. <laughs> I believe it's in June, July at the latest. Yeah. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy is playing on the Ocean City Boardwalk. I'm not kidding. And That's I told funny. Chris, we were down on the beach, and I was like, dude, the marquee says Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. He's like, oh, what? <laughs> and I was like, I think we should go. Oh, my God. That's funny. Like I've never been to that music pier there before, but like, this, well, we might have to go. That must that be, be a wacky the time. Low point in the big bad voodoo daddy. Train. I'm sure it's not the low point, but yeah. What if it's like the night of our lives? Right. Like, I think we should go. <laughs> I think so too. So when I think of the real McCoy, I think of the the Zoot Suit Riot age. Was that the 40s? Um, you don't. I don't know. I think it was. The, I'm, I'm gonna guess. I think the Zoot Suit Riot was the 40s. It's not the Roaring 20s. I think it was. I think zoot suits are after the twenties because they're like, all right, we're gonna make them bigger. Yeah, yeah. I feel like depends they fit just, well yeah. in the twenties. Yeah. And zoot suits were like, what? we're gonna make them double. Big. We're gonna triple. We're gonna quadruple. What a time! Oh, just a a time where you you would go. These shoulders could be much bigger. 
that would be great. Like these you, pants could be looser. And you go into the, the store. <laughs> this hat could be wider. You go in and the guy's fitting you and he takes the tape measure and he's like, <laughs> like all the way down on one of those um, ladders, like yeah. a bookshelf ladder. <laughs> yeah. Very good, sir. So um, there was this, uh, this, this cobbler named Mickey McCoy and he made just the best zoot suit oh, yeah. shoes ever. The heel went clickety clack. I mean, the, sh- the the white leather shined. Um, it they were beautiful and really well made. Wow. He made each one individually, and so the zoot suit people they were went crazy for it. They I'm wanted sure. the, these these McCoy shoes, and then they were just like you know go into the lounge. He'd be like, oh god, and they'd just be like, even I got there. They wouldn't even try to pick up women. They would just look at their shoes and be like, that's the good stuff. Somebody get me a stool. I gotta kick my feet up. Um, so, um, then, you know, some out of towner from, from the South trying to make it big in New York mm, city, you know, he came, we already don't like, uh, huh. <laughs> he came up, his name, his name was Danny Bucksaw. Oh boy. <laughs> and Danny Bucksaw, he saw what kind of operation Mickey McCoy was running with these shoes. Right. Oh man. And he's like, I can knock off a dollar. I can make them quicker. <laughs> And I gotta be as nice. It's kind of dark in these clubs. You go to these swing clubs. Pretty dark. Pretty dark in these swing clubs. I, I'd check them out. And uh, obviously, some people are gonna go. I'm just gonna get some buck sauce. Man, a buck's a buck. Buck's a buck. But he still put a little M on the bottom of them. So you know. But he oh. he said that meant made well. It just means made well. Right. Anyway, some some slugs, slugmen. <laughs> Wait, what is... The, oh, the W. Okay, gotcha. Because um, McCoy. The McCoy shoe... Oh, the McCoy right, cobbler always puts the M on his trying to... He's a brand. Danny yeah, Bucks is trying to rip him off. Absolutely. He also puts an like M. Like the coach bags and stuff that people... Yeah, so, precisely, absolutely. Yeah. Precisely. Oh. So, anyway, the big lounge... Um, uh, martini ball <laughs> no the big lounge called um, uh, Sally screwdrivers oh um, I'd go there everyone was the sc- Sally screwdriver lounge and uh, all these schlubs are coming in with these fake McCoy shoes and um, the there was a huge tiff amongst the zoot suit men mm. which eventually turned into a zoot suit riot riot oh but yeah <laughs> yeah I didn't see it coming <laughs> that is but good the argument was who was wearing the real McCoys right like who's right. wearing the genuine real McCoy yeah. shoe that is high quality um, looks great even in the bright bright light and oh, who's wearing okay. the Danny Bucksaw ripoffs so this is like the riot is them talking about each other's shoes <laughs> Yeah. Now, what we need here is a test of some kind. Everyone's just trying to rip off each other's shoes to see who was <laughs> wearing. Give me those shoes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a big Once cartoon you... dust fight with the shoes popping out. <laughs> I love those. I love those, too. You know, like, whoever first did that is like, it's like, well, I could save time and it's fun. It's <laughs> definitely like a Looney Tunes cartoonist. That is great. Um, so, yeah. And then, anyway, uh, the real McCoy 
you know, it started becoming idiomatic and people would use it figuratively, like, you know, oh, I like that bag. It's like, oh, Absolutely. yeah, it's the real McCoy. I love it. The question is, did the real McCoy get back at Danny Bucksaw or no. or did his He's fate a humble just, man. Oh, he just he let just, fate happen to him? He said, I know this is going to happen. I do this for me. Wow. So what happened to Danny? Did people like keep buying and stuff or did they get did the stuff fall apart and then they like came after him and ran him out of town american dream out he became super famous he made tens of millions of dollars way more famous than real mccoy ever got wow and uh, he ran for president wow and he won that's what you get you get you get the, that's the american dream you're right All right wow i mean he was a piece of shit but but he ain't the real McCoy, that's for sure. He ain't, but he's <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. Right. So we're kind of like the real McCoy. <laughs> if it means you do stuff and don't get anything for it. <laughs> yeah, we are like the real McCoy, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. All right, so what's the origin of this uh, puppy? Oh, shit, that whole part. Yeah. All right, so... The, the real McCoy definitely falls into the realm of aliens of questionable origin. <laughs> so I, so, um, you know, it is hard to find definite, uh-huh. clear and concise. It definitely comes from there. Mm-hmm. Idioms, especially when you've done 63 episodes. Oh, you can't keep coming back to that. You're going to have to move on at some point. No, I know. So, But the thing is, I've embraced the idea mm-hmm. of um, these these ones with uh, more unclear yeah. uh, origins. Because in a way, you know what? It's kind of more fun. You got more stories and it's like, whatever. Who cares if it's not real? <laughs> you, don't to, you don't have to convince me. It's fine. I like it. I'm saying I've changed. Uh-huh. It's been five years. I've changed. Yeah. You're a big boy. Yeah. So... The thing about the real McCoy is there are many theories about where it comes from. And it's always like a dude, some dude named McCoy, right? Of course. So just a couple of of the lesser known, there was uh, this guy named Bill McCoy. He was a prohibition era rum runner and he used a souped up speedboat to deliver whiskey from Canada. And he was faster than the Coast Guards, right? (laughs) And his whole thing was like, well, I never never watered down my whiskey, boy. This is the real McCoy. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So that's like his, that's his thing. All right, that's fun. Um, And uh, then there was this other one. uh, uh, It was a Pennsylvanian uh, wildcatter. He's a wildcatter mm-hmm. and he just went by McCoy and he would divert nitroglycerin from job sites like and sell it to safe crackers. And he said that like his stuff, like his explosives yeah. basically were the real McCoy because the uh, other guys are going to make it shoddy, but I'm, yeah, right. I, you, this, you want the good stuff The good here. stuff. And I just thought like, what does that even mean? I'm a wildcatter that also robs construction sites for sweet nitroglycerin. I know, that's insane. Like, I don't even know if that guy's real. He's so cool. Right. Uh, okay, so those are just like some obscure ones, right? There's there's going to be three of the more popular that I'm going to talk about, but I'm not going to spend too much time on them. Uh, the one uh, is this guy named Elijah McCoy, and he was a Canadian inventor, and he was educated in Scotland. In 1872, he created the McCoy Automatic Lubricator, U.S. patent number 129843. Uh So basically, it was this, it was for railroad locomotives, and it was this uh, machine that would constantly lubricate the, 
like the the train like the train parts like the moving parts yeah while it's in motion right state of the art yeah that makes sense yeah i love plus i love train stuff yeah he's, I, like, um, I was on a train movie kick for a little while he's a trainman oh yeah what are they doing there's always something train won't stop someone's on the train <laughs> there's just some sort of mystery on the train <laughs> yeah. um it's a murder most foul this a murder most foul that's also from hamlet oh, of course it is <laughs> Uh, so then the idea with him was that because it was a new invention, people would make the knockoffs and the uh, master mechanics would always ask for the real McCoy lubricator. So that's just one of our small guys. Um, probably the most popular is there's, there was this guy, uh, he was a boxer who went by Kid McCoy. Kid McCoy's got a nice ring to it. I, you know what I was I was thinking about how like those all the boxers a lot of them have kid names, you know? Yeah. And then the one I'll always remember is obviously Kid Dynamite, which is what they called Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch. Oh, for real? Dude, I you know cuz like we played that when we were young, but you don't read the words Holy like shit. you just play. Yeah. And I had no uh, idea they named their band after that. That's really cool. Right? Yeah. And so and even then like when I was like listening to Kid Dynamite I was like holy shit Mike Tyson's called Kid Dynamite in here and I'm like is that because they can't use his name and I was like no it's Tyson's punch out what am I <laughs> so I learned a little bit about like how you know um, that was Mike Tyson's nickname early on yeah briefly and then he went to Iron Mike Tyson and nice. that was kind of the one that stuck yeah but I, like, I'd never heard it outside the video game so I thought it was like a thing that's anyway, really cool anyway yeah so kid names were big in boxing uh, the guy's real name was Norman Selby, and he was the American welterweight uh, champion for, uh, right, I already said in 1896. And I'm, you might be saying, what is welterweight anyway? Because like I, I was taking notes this time when I was uh, researching. I was like, you know what? Anytime I don't know what something means, I'm going to look it up. Good. Because I've heard that in boxing, like welterweight. What yeah. is it? Well, it's the one between light and middleweight. Oh, okay. So you're lightweight, you're welterweight, then you're middleweight. Got it. Um, so he's got two possible stories uh, about how he could have started this. And basically it was that he was so good at the time, they had a lot of imitators that would actually use the same name, Kid yeah. McCoy. Because there are boxers that the name doesn't like retire once you use it. Like you yeah. can use it again. Like different people can use it. Oh, right. Um, but you can make it like the most famous. I don't think I knew that, that people like would just kind of pass their names on. Well, it's it's not even a passing. Like there are just, there are uh, I wish I had an example in front of me, but there's like one I was reading about today and they were saying how like this guy got famous with it and then somebody else used it later. Actually, it was, I think it was Kid McCoy. Like, okay. like there was a there was a champion years after him that used it too. So it's just like, you're just trying to get some cred, get people to notice you or whatever. Yeah. So the idea was that there were other people calling themselves Kid McCoy and then he started billing himself as Kid, the real. Oh, McCoy. got it. Good. Because yeah. he felt like he was the first yeah. one. I mean, right. and he was definitely the real deal for a yeah. while. Like, the guy was like nuts. Uh, so, anyway, the second one, which is a more fun story, and just no way it's true. <laughs> he, uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so, Norman's at the bar, and a drunk is like, hey, you, you're not the real McCoy. You're, you're, you're the faker. So, he's drunk or whatever, and he's like, dude, I am. And then he's like, I had no way. You're not him. And he's like, oh, yeah, boom, one hit, and he's on the floor. <laughs> and then the drunk, when he gets up, he's like, 
that is the real McCoy. <laughs> that is, that that is, is out of a cartoon I have, or something. I have read multiple things that tell the story, but all of them preface it with like, this is probably, right. it's just a fun I mean, story. Yeah, most of those people probably sh- have learned it from their, Exactly, you know, it's just such a shit. fun thing. And here we are talking about it again, even no, it's though great. it's not true. It's true, 100%. Right. right. So um, I'm going to come back to uh, the boxer, Kid uh-huh. McCoy, because... Was it actually not the real McCoy, but was it the real McKay? Because in mm. 1856, there was McKay and Company whiskey distillers of Edinburgh. Edinburgh, right? Yeah. And Edinburgh. Edinburgh. I was practicing at home and I forgot. <laughs> okay. So they had um they had a they started their whiskey company in 56, right? And then in 1870, they started calling it the real McKay. Mm. Again, like just promoting themselves as something yeah. like the real deal. This was this predates the real McCoy. And it's believed that this is what started it. Yeah. And then it turned into the real McCoy. That's right. one of the theories. Yeah, that makes, I mean, whiskey. right. It'd be easy to make that just McCoy. Right. Especially like, because, or be inspired by the real Right. The real McKay. And this was in Scotland. So the idea is that it, you know, when it went over to America, it mm-hmm. changed because yeah. it, it took a while for it to get to America. Because it was in Scottish newspapers, they used, they used the term. Right. Okay. At, around the time. But here's when I was saying earlier that I got to this point where I thought I was going to crack some case. But in the same year, okay, uh, that the McKay whiskey mm-hmm. company started, yeah. in 1856, there was a poem called The Deal's Halloween by young Glasgow. And it's he's Scottish, so he's really saying the devil's Halloween, right? Right, yeah. Um, and he writes this poem, and it's very cool, and then there's this part <laughs> that goes like this. Uh, Ad drapio the real McKay. You'll find it, devils, when you try. I read you, lads, by horn and hoof. It's just a hundred overproof. And what I give a Catholic damn for an adultered dram, but that, my Joes, you need a fear. There's no drop of water here. So, nice. So he talks about this drappy of, of real McKay. So yeah. now it's it's the, yeah, he's talking about a, a drop of whiskey, yeah, right. allegedly. Yeah. But the poem is written in just 1856, right? Yeah. And these guys start their whiskey company in 1856. So like what are the odds that he's tasting it and then writing the poem right then I guess maybe right yeah I mean they're both in Scotland yeah yeah I guess it's totally possible <laughs> <laughs> I guess I thought that was like there's like no window of time yeah. but here's the thing so this guy let's say that's what happened right you get um, he tastes this whiskey he writes this poem right then in it's not until 1870 that 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 whiskey company starts using in their advertising the real. the real McKay. Oh, okay. So it's almost like the whiskey inspired the poet, and then the poet inspired the whiskey again. Yeah, like yeah, like, right. and they used it for the advertising because by then it was probably already a popular saying. Right. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's that's and um, that probably happens today in advertising. You know, because there's so many people that like interact with products online. That you know, people like will yeah. keep referring to something, and then they're just like, "All right, we're like, just going to use that." Keep hearing someone talking about this thing. It seems right. popular, but yeah. So now, here's the thing: in the poem, they say a drappy o' the real McKay m uh, comma k a y, where the uh, McKay whiskey is spelled m 
A C K A Y. So he's saying McKay. Now you could say, like, well, they're just shortening it or whatever, like, real quick. But they also changed that last vowel, right? Um, e to A or McKay. McKay. So I'm just, I'm so, I'm still just talking about the whiskey. Yeah, I know. Right, like the real McKay. So, but it's like the spelling is slightly different. And then there's this other thing, okay? In the same year again, in a Scottish newspaper, in it's June 10th, 1856, there's a story that comes about, uh, about this beggar who dies and they find out he has 700 pounds in his bank account. And so all of these people come out and they're like, I'm related to him, because he's, he's homeless, like nobody knows him, no friends, whatever. So they're trying to find his family. All these people keep showing up and being like, that's my dad or that's my uncle or whatever. And then finally, this guy from Australia shows up and he's like, that's my father. Um, I have correspondences between us, right? And this guy was uh, determined that he was the real McKay. Uh. But in the article, they use quotations around the real McKay. And it's spelled the same way, M comma K-A-Y, as in the poem. So what's going on is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, so, thought, I thought maybe you came to uh, some sort of realization. Well, this is where this is where I, this is about as far back as I go. Yeah. Here's the working theory. Okay. okay? So, yeah. The whiskey company starts in early 56, mm -hmm. right? The poet, Glasgow. They must have, but also. Maybe it's a small town. But, but, but I'm, like the whiskey company, it takes time to distill whiskey. Right. So even if they started in 1956, the beginning, like they would have existed in some way before Right, because you're not that. just like, hey, we're, gonna, we're opening a whiskey company today. You can get something about <laughs> five, 15 years or something right. like that. That makes perfect sense. So by 56, that could have been like the official opening, which like could be 55, 54, when they're just selling it under, like under the table or whatever. Right, okay, so now this is making more sense. But the working theory is whiskey first, then poet, and then it's a popular enough thing that it comes up in the newspaper. That's why it's in quotes. And that's why it's spelled the way that it is in the poem and not in the way that it is in the whiskey because that might not have come out officially yet until that year. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I see what you're saying. Okay. And so maybe the real McCoy comes from that. Right. I think that's the best guess. Yeah. Do you think, so do, that's the one that you can think is most likely? It's the oldest. Because it's the oldest. It's yeah. the oldest and everything's happening right there in 56. Yeah. And it just seems like it's being used word of mouth, definitely. It's showing up in the newspapers and then it doesn't become popular in the US until later. Right. And that's when I think it morphs from, oh, and here's the, the extra bit. McCoy, the boxer, mm -hmm. his notoriety made the phrase more popular. So somebody might be saying the real McKay, McCormick McCoy is coming over to like- Yeah, so multiple, multiple of these, multiple of the origin stories could have worked together. Exactly, to, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I'm even, part the, of the train guy, the train guy, unfortunately, is a little <laughs> too removed. Sorry about it, bud. But I think, I think they all play a part. The whiskey, the poet, and the, the boxer. boxer. It sounds like a great album title. I, yeah, I'd listen to that shit. <laughs> So that's pretty much my my Frankenstein uh, <laughs> origin story, but I have to give some fun facts about um, what's his name, uh, Kid McCoy, the okay. boxer. Yeah, he is a fascinating man. Okay, 
Um, so one of the things is he was also, one of his other nicknames was the corkscrew kid because he invented a punch called the, the corkscrew oh. punch where you punch and like twist. Whoa. And the idea is to rip the skin of the person. Ooh. So it just gets them bleeding and shit. Jesus. And he, they, the, the legend is that he was inspired by watching a cat uh, a strike it like a ball of string. Okay. Like, like he's like, yeah, that can. Yeah, I'm going to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Grow my nails out. Yeah, right. Um, he was married 10 times. Oy. Three of those times was to the same woman. Mm. Uh, there was, oh, this, this was important, I thought, because in 1899, he was knocked down in a fight 16 times, came back to KO the guy, Whoa. and then the newspaper headline um for that paper was now you've seen the real McCoy. Nice. Yeah. Um, let's see. Gosh, he was like he married an heiress. Uh, he they think he was a diamond smuggler for a while. He was the superintendent of the National Detective Agency, but didn't do good at it. And he said, "Quote: Try as I will, I cannot detect." <laughs> <laughs> he made movies, and then um, like his final act that they say was. His last wife, well, basically she died, right? But his story was this. She was depressed from something about losing some money and she took a kitchen knife, plunged it into her chest and then went for his revolver. And then he struggled with it with her and then boom, the gun goes off. And for a second, he didn't know which one of them was shot, but it was her and she died. (laughs) And then- She's dead. She's dead. Then he like, goes to his sister's house he's like oh my god i have nothing to live for then he goes to like some old partner's houses and like all this stuff he he holds up like this one store takes some hostages tells them to take their clothes off he goes to a business that i think he was part owner of shot two guys and then gave himself up to the cops wow yeah that's how he went down yeah and wait so the jury that was like because he went to trial they they said um he was the most widely married man in America, <laughs> the victor of a hundred prize prize ring battles and the breaker of a thousand hearts. He was guilty by manslaughter. <laughs> they that's how they introduced his verdict. Well, it said oh, that was the, like a newspaper. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. This is the quote: the the victor of a hundred prize ring battles and breaker of a thousand hearts. Well, that's, that's such a quoted. weird thing to put well, in. It's a little old timey. I like, like that. That's some class back then. Back yeah. now, they're just like Galte. That sounds like a line from a movie. I know. Well, they said that his life, um, you know, off the stage was like just as exciting cool. as his life on, and it was even more so. Like, and he did make some movies, and I, I, I actually could do a whole episode about. Yeah, this guy. I mean, you seem like you're ready to. Dude, when, when he, so he was, oh, he went to San Quentin, right, for the murder, and he became one of the canary guys. Like, he, like, raised canaries. <laughs> and then, cool. when he got out of jail, Henry Ford gave him a job. Whoa. He was the director of the guards of, of 12,000 company thrift gardens. Henry huh. Ford is like, I like you, buddy. <laughs> Work in the garden. And this is how it all ended. April 1940. He checked into the Detroit hotel, scribbled three suicide notes, and swallowed sleeping pills. And on one of them, he wrote, I can no longer endure this world's madness. Holy shit. The dude is the man. Check out some of this. This is a picture of his invented um, punch. Yeah. Shows you how to do it. This is him. There's a bill bill there, and it says the real McCoy at the top. Oh, cool. Looks kind of like a ghost in that one. 
And this is one of his, his hand looking really big and long because they said his reach was like abnormally long. Oh, it was one of the reasons shit. he was so uh, good. Wow, he sounds like the real McCoy. Dude, yeah, <laughs> he was crazy. <laughs> All right. And that is a wrap. Well, thank you for that, Albert. Oh, I think I hear the countdown. Sounds like the countdown's coming. So, hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. Check us out on Instagram if you want. And send, no, send us, do it. Even if you don't want, do it. Send us an email. Don't be an email at gmail.com. Tell us your thoughts. Do you want us to stop doing something that's annoying? Do you want us to continue doing something? <laughs> do we forget to do something? Do you have a new idea for a bit in the show? Um, let us know. And uh, until next time, don't, don't be, be an ready. idiom. Little Polino, won't you come back home?